Welcome to this week's episode of the North Bible Church Podcast. Now, let's join our pastor as we open God's Word together. I'm so happy to be up here this morning. Um, I want to start out with something that might be common knowledge for you. It might be a reminder for you, or this might be something super new for you to hear. But when you come to this point in your life where you realize your total depravity, and what I mean by that is you come to this place where you know that you can't do anything to save yourself. So you realize who God is, what he's done for you, by giving you this gift of salvation through a relationship with Jesus Christ. So you receive his forgiveness, his grace, his love, his mercy. You, you count the cost of discipleship. You make the decision to make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, and what that means for your life. You step into a role when you make that decision. You become a messenger. You carry the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is the power of God to save. So when you, when you come to that place, you should become a messenger because we follow Jesus. And if you're a disciple of Jesus, when Jesus started his ministry, he showed the kingdom of God and he showed the way to the Father. So as followers of Jesus, we step into that role. Okay, another way to say that is you become a disciple. Where's Joshua at? Where's Joshua at? Joshua, what's a disciple? One who hears, obeys, and shares. You hear the word of God, you obey the word of God, and you share the word of God. You become a messenger by your words, by your actions. And why do I say that this morning? Because we're going to look at Jonah. Jonah is a story that you're probably familiar with. You probably colored the coloring pages of a happy guy in the belly of a whale, which is kind of demented if you think about it in a way. Like we show these kids, like it's a guy in a whale, like it's crazy, okay? But Jonah is the epitome of where I feel that, that, where, that, that the church is at in general. He gets this message from God. He hears it, but he doesn't obey and he doesn't share he leaves the, the, the three aspects of discipleship to one aspect. He hears, but he doesn't obey. He doesn't share. And, and churches, we focus so much on the hearing. The hearing, the hearing, the hearing. But how much does it impact our life? How much does it change us to, to continue the mission of Jesus? And where are the people that we're supposed to be sharing it with? We are Jonah. I'm Jonah. You are Jonah. And we have a Jonah complex. We, we tend to obey if, not when. And if we're supposed to model our, model our life like Jesus, then we're supposed to be messengers. We carry this message of grace, okay? So you can open your Bibles to the book of Jonah. I love this story. Like I said, you probably learn it when you're little. Um, I was teaching this, uh, going through a Bible study with this, with a group of young adults once, and I said, when I say Jonah, just throw out words that, that you might think of. So people are like, big fish, and somebody said, fire, and I was like, fire? And he's like, yeah, when he's, in the, when, he's in the, when he's in the whale, like, he builds a fire. And I was like, oh, that's Pinocchio. Like, that's, you're thinking of Pinocchio. And he was like, oh, yeah. And I was like, it was just awesome. So as, as we go through these four chapters, um, we're going to read some of it, and then I'm going to give you the Brent Fail paraphrase version, because I want to get through these four chapters today, but I only have one say, Sunday to do it. Um, but what I want you to do is I don't want you to look at this story as a spectator. I want you to put yourself in this story and where you might find yourself being like Jonah, because church, this is something I am very passionate about, this aspect of hearing, obeying, and sharing. I talk about this a lot with people. If we were to take a bar graph of what is the most important in church, hearing would be 
all the way to this roof. Obeying would be about here, and sharing, you probably couldn't even see it. Okay? So we have to get this aspect of discipleship right. Hear, obey, and share. Okay? So don't just be a spectator today. What I want you to do is ask God to open your heart and your eyes of where you're not just going to hear today, but what you need to obey and how you can take this message outside these walls to share it. So let's pray, and then we'll get into Jonah. Father, I'm so grateful um, for this time. Lord, um, your words, your words, not mine. Nobody wants to hear from me today. We're here for you. This is all about you. It's all for you. So, Jesus, we want to hear from you today. God, I pray, um, as I always do, we walk out of here different people than walk in this building. God, change us. Change us from the inside that, God, we would, we would respond on the outside. We would become disciples. We wouldn't have this Jonah complex where we just focus on hearing, but we would obey and we would share. We love you, and all God's people said. Okay, so Jonah, chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. Now the word of the Lord. Oh, you can, if, if you don't have your Bibles, do we have it up on the screen? Thank you. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for the evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish, so he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. The word of the Lord came to Jonah. Jonah is a prophet, which means he is the voice box. Okay, God has a message for people. Jonah gets to be that messenger. And the word of the Lord means that Jonah gets to be brought into the presence of God to see things the way that he sees them. So Jonah lets God in on this, miss it, on this mission. Okay, so word of the Lord came to Jonah, so he heard it, and his job or his role is to go to Nineveh, so that's the obey part, and call out against it. That's the share part. So there's those three aspects of discipleship. Here's the thing for Jonah, though. Kind of going somewhere to do this was kind of a new idea, all right? Um, in the New Testament, we see Jesus say, hey, you're going to be my witnesses, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. So we know that we're supposed to go and spread. That wasn't a normal thing. So Jonah's like, you want me to go where? To say what? To who? Like, he has a journey that he has to go on, but it seems simple enough. God says, I have a message that I want you to convey. Just get up, go, and tell those people, all right? Up until this point in Jonah's ministries, his prophecies had come true, okay? The, the things that he was saying, people would, would uh, hang on his every word. So he had success up until this point, okay? So here's kind of how Jonah handles this. If you don't know the geography of what this looks like, for Jonah to handle it this way. Nineveh is northeast from where Jonah is. It's about a 600-mile journey for him to get to Nineveh. So Jonah, instead of going northeast, he decides to go south 60 miles to get on a ship, all right? He gets on the ship, and he heads west. You're looking at me, so west would be this way, correct? Thank you, okay? So he says this way instead of this way, all right? A 600-mile journey Tarshish is about 2,000 to 2,500 miles away. Tarshish is at the bottom of Spain, and it is literally at the end of the known world on a map. So Jonah is literally running to the ends of the earth to get away from his calling from God. He runs. He runs from God. He runs from his calling as a prophet. Okay, and I just want to stop this right here because I felt like God wanted me to do this. All right. 
Where are you running to? Are you running right now from what God wants you to do? And why? If God wants you, if you feel like God is calling you to do something, and maybe it's just this even, this simple act of discipleship where you're hearing and maybe it's obedience more, but you're running from God. I just want you to know, running from God gets you nowhere. The worst day in God's will is far better than the best day outside of God's will. And if God is calling you to do something, you are equipped. So maybe the reason you're running is because you don't feel equipped, you feel insecure, or whatever it is. But stop running. And I want to read this over you right now, so I just want you guys to bow your heads, okay? And I want to read something. Um, Oh, hang on. My computer acted up. Satan just works in the dumbest little ways. Not today, Satan. Okay, so listen. If you feel like you're running from God, I want to read the first part of Psalm 139 over you, and not as in a way to scare you that you can't run from the presence of God, but to encourage you that God is with you wherever you go. God loves you more than you will ever understand. So if you are running, I'm telling you to stop right now. All right? Stop running. Turn to God and let these words wash over you. So close your eyes and just let the word of the Lord wash over you. David writes in Psalm 139, he says, O Lord, you have searched me, and you have known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up, and you discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down, and are acquainted with all of my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Where shall I go from your spirit or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. Stop running from what God has for you. Stop running from this intentional being that desires good for you, his will, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. You guys can open your eyes. So why did Jonah run? Why did Jonah just want to get away from this calling on his life? And it has to do with Nineveh. It has to do with these people that live in this city. This, this kingdom is huge. It's, it's the, now the capital of the Neo-Assyrian Empire. It's so big that it takes three days to walk through. It's not a city of Israel, so technically it's an enemy. It's not part of the family. It was thematically connected with the, the, the kingdom of Sodom and Gomorrah. So that kind of shows, if you're familiar with those stories, it shows the sin that they were involved in. Okay? Um, culturally, it was, it was an unbelievably great city, but it was so sinful that it was seen as a ruined city because of how corrupt they were. Outside scripture, Nineveh is mentioned by titans of literature like Aristotle and Herodotus. They they even commented on their uh, sinfulness. They were known for their bloodshed. They were known for, in their warfare, for burying people up to their neck and just leaving them so the sun would scorch them and drive them insane. Their focus was on luxury, sexual immorality, godless music, so maybe rap or hip-hop or rock. I don't know. Drunkenness, idolatry, the list goes on and on. It's just bad news. Okay, here's where we're Jonah. In Jonah's mind, they were just bad people. They didn't deserve the grace of God in his mind. 
And because of that, he didn't even want to go uh, engage with these people at all. Because he knows God's graciousness, he knows God's goodness. If he goes and delivers this message, then these horrible people might have a chance of redemption. Okay? God put this question on my heart and it wrecked me. Okay? Do you love God more than you hate your enemies? Or do you hate your enemies more than you love God? Because right now in our culture, it's all about division, okay? And whoever your enemies are, and I'm going to go as far and say maybe it's people that are red, maybe it's people that are blue, maybe it's people with identity issues, or whatever it is, we have a tendency to just look at people as our enemies rather than hearing the word of God that says, love your what? Love your enemies. That's, is that a suggestion? Is that, is, is that a suggestion for us that, that claim to, to walk with Jesus Christ? No. So when you think about this question, do, do I love God more than my enemies? If you love God more than you hate your enemies, your love for God will affect how you see people and how you approach them. If you hate your enemies more than you love God, it will show in how you approach your heavenly Father and how you navigate your relationships. This is the hearing, obeying, and sharing aspect of discipleship. I can so see Jonah, if this was a preached sermon, I can so see Jonah coming into church and the pastor saying, hey, church, I want you to go to Nineveh and tell them, hey, stop being wicked, and then, um, yeah, let God do his thing. And everybody goes, man, that was such a good sermon. That was so great. Great message, pastor. And then you just walk out and you just get on with your daily life. There's no aspect of saying, God wants me to do this. I'm going to, I heard, I'm going to obey, and I'm going to share the message. Is that you on a Sunday morning? Do you walk out of church saying, hey, man, Chad, oh, love that message, man. And then you just walk out and you heard the word of God, but there's no aspect of obeying. There's no aspect of sharing. So as somebody that follows Jesus, where's the Nineveh that, that God's calling you to go to? Who are the Ninevites that God wants you to go give a message to, but you are running in the opposite direction from? Should we have enemies? Love your enemies. Pray for those that persecute you. But Brent, they do this. Love your enemies. But Brent, they think this way. Love your enemies. Love your enemies. Let God be God. Let God be the judge. You be a disciple. Hear the word of God. Obey the word of God. Share the word of God. What, what we've done, I was thinking about, like, where's our Tarshish? Where do we run to? And I think our Tarshish is our homes. Tarshish is we, we go into our homes, and here's what we've limited our ministry to. We've limited our ministry. Oh, I left my cell phone over there, okay? But that's what I was going to use. We limit our ministry, okay, to pulling out our phones, and we see something on Facebook or Instagram that says, if you love Jesus, copy and paste this, or type amen, and you're like, well, I did it. That's how I evangelized today. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, but that's, that's what we do. We hide in our homes. We shut out the outside world when God has placed us positionally perfect around our neighbors, around our coworkers, around our enemies to be disciples. Okay, and I'm not, listen, if you're, if you're a copy and paster and you post those things, I'm not, I'm not knocking you at all. But I, what I want to say is, when was the last time that you read something that you disagree with that you go, oh my goodness, I'm going to change the way I think? God can work in all things, but God doesn't want you to hide. God wants you to hear, obey and share, okay? So where are you running to? Where do you hide so you don't have to be a messenger? 
Is it in your homes? Whatever it is. So as Jonah is sailing to Tarshish, to get away, God sends a storm. And as the storm's going on, the crew of the ship, they're crying out to their false gods. Jonah, he's sleeping below deck, that rascal. So the captain of the ship goes down. He calls Jonah to get up. Jonah gets up, and he's like, man, we, we got to cry out to your God. Cry out to your God, okay? So now Jonah's disobedience has put other people in danger. So they cast lots, which is another way of drawing straws, another way of saying drawing straws. Jonah ends up drawing the short straw. So they want to know who Jonah is. And Jonah has to tell them who he is. And he says, I worship the God who made the sea, who made the land. I worship the true God. And he looks at these people knowing that they're crying out to these false gods, and he's being bad advertisement for, for his heavenly father. And I just want to share this. Like, we've all been in those moments where, like, maybe you've done something stupid, and then it comes up, you're a Christian. I remember that uh, when I was 19, um, I'll share this story in, at, at, at another sermon. I'm just going to leave it a little bit of a cliffhanger. Um, but I, I, I actually had to get fingerprinted in mugshot. Okay? I'm not a criminal. All right, I'll share the story another time. There was a huge misunderstanding, okay? Um, yeah, I know, I know. But, but I remember I had to go before a judge. And the judge said, young man, what do you want to do with your life? And I said, I want to be a pastor for Jesus. And he goes, you might want to rethink what you want to do. And I was like, hey, that's mean. But in that situation, in that situation, like, I was... I wasn't the best advertisement for following Jesus. And I feel that's how Jonah, Jonah has that awkward moment where he tells them, this is who I am and this is who I worship. Okay, so jo they find out it's Jonah's fault and they ask what needed to be done to get the sea to calm down and Jonah says, sacrifice me, throw me into the sea. And, for, and these guys credit, they start rowing even more. They didn't want to do that, okay? All of a sudden, they pick Jonah up and chuck him into the raging sea, and immediately the waves stopped. We don't, I don't know what Jonah's motive was for being thrown over. I don't, I, I don't know where we find that out. Maybe it was, it was compassion for his crew of the ship, the danger he put them in. Maybe it was complete impulse reaction to the situation at hand. Maybe it was true repentance. He realized that he needed to stop running. Okay, and that led him to this external action, or maybe it was just, maybe it was just a, a, a way to put himself to be fully reliant on God, okay? But what I think is so cool is through this experience, all right, even in Jonah's disobedience, these men started to worship the Lord. So even in our disobedience, God is still God and is going to be God and work, and God gets the glory and points people to him. So Jonah is more than likely in the water flailing around, thinking the worst, but God is not done with Jonah. Okay, Jonah 1.17 says, the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow Jonah up, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days. I want to address this real quick. Is this possible? All right, I'm not going to stand up here and give you a scientific reason of how this is possible, but what, what, I, would, what I do want to say is we live in light of miracles every single day that we overlook, or that we've just gotten so accustomed and used to all right? Like right now, we're spinning over a thousand miles an hour on this earth being held down by gravity, and we're like, oh, it's just another Sunday, okay? We have a, a ball of jelly in our eyes that can take the light that we see, and, and, and it comes in, and it's upside down, but yet our brain can flip it so the things that we see are normal to us, all right? If you were to take our nervous system and stretch it out, it's 40 to 45 miles long, and it's inside of us, all right? So do I believe 
that the God who created everything can bring a created being, swallow another created being, and that created being can be sustained for three days? Absolutely, okay? So that's not like a, that's just my thoughts on it, all right? Don't put God in a box because we live in light of his glory and miracles every single day. Why did God send a fish? Of course it was to save Jonah, but don't miss this point. Jonah had a job to do. God sent the fish to get the messenger to take the message to the people that needed to hear the message. So often we look at the story as Jonah as the main character. Jonah is not the main character. God is the main character. God is the hero. Jonah is the one being disobedient. The fish is there for the message to get there, for obedience to happen. So ask yourself, who's the main character of your story? Are you trying to fit God into what you want? Or are you saying, God, I've given my life to you. I'm part of your story. God is always the hero. And, and we'll see how this plays out, but God was the hero for these men that God saved, even through Jonah's disobedience, and we see that God is always the hero of this story. So never look at this as Jonah as the main character, okay? It's super important I want you to understand that. Okay, God's mission doesn't change. When you give your life to Jesus, you're on his mission, all right? He has an individually unique plan and purpose for your life, but it is always part of his plan. He's the hero, okay? Um, his mission doesn't change. He loves Jews. He loves Gentiles. He loves your enemies, and you're part of that mission, all right? Cool? Thank you. All right. J Chapter 2, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress. Here's Jonah's response in the fish. This is deep. This is such good stuff. I called out to the Lord out of my distress. He answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and he heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the floods surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. Then I said, I'm driven away from your sight. Yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped about my head in the roots of the mountains. I went down to the land whose bars could close up upon me forever. Yet you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord. Finally, the circumstances lead Jonah back to God, and he prays. And I love how he said, it was you that threw me into the depths. God's sovereignty, God's goodness to draw Jonah back to him, his, and, and the obedience part and the message part of Jonah following God. This is a beautiful thing when we realize that God is in control of all aspects. Okay, and I love that Jonah says God brought him up from the pit, because we don't like the pit. We don't like to be at rock bottom, but yet when Jonah realized he's at rock bottom, where did it lead him to? To cry out to the Lord. I always say there's beauty in brokenness because we take, so often in our brokenness, God takes us and he brings us back and he puts us back together how we're supposed to be. And that's what happens to Jonah. Verse 7 says, Jonah remembers the Lord. He needed to remember the Lord because up until this point, he had forgotten the Lord. He had chosen, chosen to neglect the Lord. And he ends this prayer by saying salvation belongs to the Lord, meaning I'm going to get back to my job because my job is to give this message to Nineveh because it's about salvation and salvation belongs to the Lord. Jonah spit out. He's called to go to Nineveh again, and here's the thing. He had to choose to obey. He had to choose to get back into this role that God called him to. He must, he must choose to obey, and he must choose to share. Here's the thing. Like I said, when God calls you, when you hear a message from the Lord, and he calls you to do something, even whether it's being led by the Spirit in a moment 
or it's just God's big picture, like I said, you're equipped. You're equipped because you have the Spirit of God in you. Don't get in your head that you're not equipped or you're not ready. If God calls you to do it, God's not going to leave you high and dry. Chapter 3, the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time and said, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it and the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city. Three days' journey in breadth, Jonah began to go into the city going a day's journey. He called out, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. The people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. Jonah could have ran again, but he learned his lesson the hard way. The important thing here is Jonah remained available to be used. And I think that's one of the biggest costs of discipleship, is your availability. Are you available to be used by God? We always use this excuse, oh, I'm too busy, I'm too busy. We're not. We're just not available. And when we're not available, that affects, how God, that, that, that affects our mindset when God wants to use us. Are you available or are you too busy? Jonah's message was simple, repent within 40 days or be destroyed, okay? Immediately, there was repentance, an inward shift of thinking that, that would affect their outward behavior. There was a turning to Jesus. Verse 6, the word reached the king of Nineveh, and he rose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. He issued a proclamation and published through Nineveh, by the decree of the king and his nobles, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed or drink water, but, water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth. Let them call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who knows? God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. When God saw what they did, how they turned from the evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. Message reaches the king. The king sends this decree. There's a fast. Everybody's wearing potato sacks. From the greatest to the least, even the animals are involved. This is one of the greatest acts of repentance and revival in all of Scripture. There are over 100,000 people that turn to the Lord, that turn from wickedness, turn their eyes to the Lord. And Jonah almost missed out on this because of his disobedience or because of his hatred for these people. Could you imagine if he missed out on that? Well, we see how he handles it, which isn't the best thing. So when we skip out, when, we just, when we're just hearers and not doers, we can miss out on a lot that God wants us to experience. So we see his goodness, his faithfulness. And, be, and, and if you feel spiritually dry, man, there's embers in you that God is trying to blow on, but you're stuck in hearing mode. You're not, you're not obeying and you're not sharing. And because of that, God, you might be missing out on what God wants to do in you, through you, or around you to get you back to that place where you want to obey and see his goodness. I remember, I can't remember if I share this story here. If I can't remember, then you won't remember, which is a good thing. Um, it was Easter Sunday. I, I, I drove past a hitchhiker. I was 19. This is the first time I heard the Holy Spirit call me. And the Holy Spirit said, Brent, go pick that kid up. And I said, nope, it's Easter Sunday. And I'm driving more, and the Holy Spirit said, Brent, go pick that kid up. I was like, nope, it's Easter Sunday. And then finally, Brent, go pick that kid up. I was like, fine. So I go pick this kid up, and I, it was the first time I ever picked up a hitchhiker. Because when you're young, it's like, don't pick up hitchhikers. You're going to get stabbed, and there's like no other option. So I pick him up, and um, he gets in. And I told God, I said, 
there was a town called Cranberry, um, about 20 miles away. And I said, God, I'm not taking him past Cranberry. It's Easter Sunday. And I picked the kid up. I said, hey, bud, where are you going? He's like, Cranberry. And I was like, oh, Lord, oh, Lord. So I start talking to this kid, start talking to this kid, and I find out that he was the oldest of six boys. He lost both of his parents. He wanted to go into ministry, but because he lost both of his parents, didn't believe in God anymore. I was able to minister to him for that 20-minute drive. I gave him my Bible, wrote my number in it, never heard from him again. It doesn't matter, but I see why God called me. Coolest thing ever, my band played a concert a couple nights later at a church, and I gave that testimony, and a guy came up to me and said, I pick up every hitchhiker I pass. I know exactly who you're talking about, and God told me not to pick him up, and I know why. It's so you could pick him up, and you could experience God's goodness in your life, and you could see God's favor in your life, okay? Yeah, it's awesome, okay? So when you, when you just are, are a hearer, and you don't obey, and you don't share, you can miss out on your hitchhiker story. I, I, I'm, I started to get choked up because it just reminds me of God's faithfulness and favor over my life. You would think this story would end with a happy ending where it's like, Nineveh repents, Jonah walks around town, meets everybody, and every, they have this dinner, and, and it's fantastic. But Jonah, it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. He prayed to the Lord and said, Oh Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee for Tarshish. For I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me. For it is better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said, Do you do well to be angry? So God literally wins the hearts of over 100,000 people in the capital of the Nero-Assyrian Empire, and Jonah goes fully dramatic, daytime Emmy, woe is me, saying, I just, I'd rather die than see, see your favor on these horrible people. Have you ever thought that? Here's a question. If you get to heaven... Who would you not want to see there? Or who would you have a problem with seeing there? And don't get high and mighty on me right now, because I know there's people out there in your life that you don't want anything good for them because of their sin, because of the way they think, or whatever it is. I want to remind you, when Jesus is teaching the Sermon on the Mount, when he, he tells these disciples, he says, you've heard it said, going back to the Old Testament law, don't murder, but I tell you, if you have anger hatred, maliciousness in your heart. You're just as guilty, okay? Are we just hearers of that? Or are we going to obey that and share that? God says, is it right for you to be angry? What if we started asking ourselves this question throughout the day? All the people we get mad at, or, or if you watch the news, okay, I, I was back in Pittsburgh a few days, I did this, I flew back home yesterday, I went to do a wedding, and um, my grandma was watching the news, um, and I was just like, do you watch this all the time? And she's like, I don't, I don't watch it, but it's just on. But I just, and it, God bless my grandma. She doesn't. She, it didn't affect her. It was just on. But there's so many people that just consume themselves with allowing their enemies to remain their enemies and fighting the wrong battle. We don't wage war as the world does, okay? Our, our enemy is, is not a physical being, all right, so we got to stop. We got to stop fighting the way we've been fighting with hate, and start loving the way God calls us to. So, do you, the things you're angry at, do you have a right to be angry in the grand scheme of life? Do you want that peace? 
Well, stop hearing. Start obeying. Jonah pouts outside the city, watching it, hoping for God's wrath rather than his redemption. And God has an object uh, lesson with Jonah. He gives him a little happy plant that provides shade for him, so Jonah's happy under his little plant. Okay, just picture this sad little guy just so angry at these people that God loves so much. Sitting under his plant, all of a sudden, God sends a worm to eat the plant, and then the scorching heat smacks Jonah in the face. So his one source of true happiness in his life is taken out by this worm. Okay, so I want, I want to look at all the things that are obedient to God right now. Okay, go the wind, the waves when Jonah's on the boat, the great fish that swallowed Jonah, this plant that grows obeyed God, the worm that ate the plant obeyed God, the scorching east wind obeyed God to go to Jonah, and yet we have Jonah, who God is trying to teach a lesson, but because of his heart, he can't get past it. So here's what I want you to understand. In your life circumstances, have you ever thought that maybe, just maybe, your circumstances and situations are being obedient to God to put you in a situation to turn your heart back to your heavenly Father? Or are you, Jonah, where you are just pouting and whining about everything wrong in your life? Is God good in all things? Does God work together all things for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose? Yes. So do we live biblically? Or are we just hearers? Or are we allowing the truth of God to change us and change our perspective? Maybe God's allowing you to go through something right now so that way you will turn your heart back to him and go in the direction you're supposed to go. God then asked Jonah if he has any right to be angry about the plant that is now gone. And then Jonah, once again, his response is, I just want to die. God, God, you save these people, I want to die. God, my plant's gone, I just want to die. So he's just, in a, he's just, just not in a good place, I would say. Okay? He's been out of shape over some, a plant dying that literally has nothing to do with him, but yet would have been perfectly fine watching over 100,000 people experience the wrath of God rather than the grace and love of God. He'd be fine with people being separated from God forever, as long as he had his little plant to take care of him. Okay? God's heart, he had compassion on the people of Nineveh. This story where I said God is the hero, this story is the epitome of God's heart for his people. He is for people. He is for all people. He's for the redemption of the lost so that they would know his goodness. So do you have compassion and pity on your enemies? Do you have compassion and pity on people that you don't like, you don't disagree with? Or are you just going to continue to hear the word of God, not be changed by it, so that way you approach and see this life through the lens of Jesus Christ, who died for me and died for you and died for those people that you can't stand or want nothing to do with. When you said yes to Jesus, you don't get to be selective in the mission that you stepped into. You have to obey. You have to share. So where's your discipleship at? Do you just hear? Do you just hear and obey? Do you hear, obey, and share? I really want you to wrestle that, with that this week. I really want you to wrestle with that this week. James tells us, don't just be hearers of the word, but be doers of the word. Ephesians 5, 1 and 2, I love this. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children 
Walk in love as Christ loved you and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Walk in love and, as Christ loved you and gave himself up for us. We all carry a message, okay? What's your message? What message do you convey to people that are all around you? Maybe it's anger, maybe it's hatred, maybe it's slander, maybe it's arrogance, maybe it's insecurity, maybe it's joy, maybe it's happiness, whatever it is. You're giving off a message, you're carrying a message to people everywhere you go, okay? When we disobey God, when we just sit in that hearing aspect, the further our message gets away from the heart of God. But when you hear, you obey, and you have that opportunity to share, your message will look a lot more like the words of Jesus Christ. So, discipleship, hearing, obeying, and share. So, you just heard from the word of the Lord. What I want you to do, as Aaron and his team are going to come up, I'm going to give you a second before I close out in prayer, and I want you to talk to God and say, God, what do I need to obey today? What, what, out of this message, Lord, what, what, what am I missing what have I not been obeying with? And God, if I'm running from you, and I might not even know I'm running from you, God, turn my heart back. And then pray for an opportunity to share this truth with somebody. Pray for an opportunity to share this truth with somebody. Whether it's today, whether it's midweek, whatever it is. Okay, let the word of the Lord be rich in your heart. Don't just hear it and walk out these doors. Obey it and share it. We're messengers for the greatest love story ever, to ever told, ever written, and we get to be part of that, don't take that lightly. Don't take that lightly. So I'll, I'm gonna, you guys can bow your heads. I'm gonna count to a number I'm not gonna tell you in my head, and then I'm gonna close this in prayer. God, I thank you for uh, your love for us that even when we, we find ourselves in the place of Jonah where we're just hearers, whether we're running from you or, or, or God, even in, in our, our daily busyness, just focusing on ourselves more. God, you always give us grace. You always give us love. You always give us forgiveness, and we're grateful for that. But Lord, I, I, want, I want this church, I want this body of Christ to leave this, this, this building and to spread your love. God, I always say I want a church to grow, but never for number's sake, but it's because, Lord, it's a church that is on mission, that carries that mission that Jesus started, that when we say yes to Jesus, we step into that mission as messengers, God. So, Lord, I pray even today as we walk out, whether we go to lunch, wherever it is, Lord, don't let our homes become our Tarshish. Don't let people become our Ninevites. And, God, give us opportunities to obey and share your love, whether it's in word or deed, God. Lord, help us to trust you, remember and realize that we're equipped through the power of your Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you would guide us into that truth each moment of every day. But God, that your voice would be louder than the lies if we feel unequipped um, or inadequate in any aspect. 
Jesus. It's about you. It's not about us. So God, remind us that you're the hero of the story. You're our hero. You saved us from the pit, and you continue to do that. And Lord, I thank you for the trials and difficulties of life that, that produce perseverance, but also, God, call us back to your loving arms. So Jesus, thank you for always making a way. Thank you for sending us big fish, whatever that looks like in our life. God, you are good. Thank you for your faithfulness. But Lord, lead us to obedience and sharing and just get past the hearing. We love you and all God's people said. Thank you for joining us for this week's message. North Bible Church is located in Scottsdale, Arizona and exists to equip all generations to love God, love one another, and love the world. For more information about North, please visit our website at northbiblechurch.com.